Hello, everybody, and welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. You know the drill. This week's theme is You Did This To Us. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me this evening to watch a film that you did indeed do to us, David Luzader. How are you? Hey, but uh, I'm doing good. How are you? I, yeah, but day. I can't. I can't even do it. We're just gonna have to spend half the episode talking about it, and people are gonna think that the audio is all messed up. Um, <laughs> Probably sure, people. No, you don't. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't. Nicole, Nicole Davis, our resident Encino man fanatic. How are you? Oh yeah, uh, I'm okay. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sitting here. I got my I got my tequila and crystal light, and um, it's got like a final destination situation over here, going with like the sweat from the glass, heading for my electronic equipment. And um, if I have to watch Encino Man again, I'm kind of all for it. So, uh, tequila. Where's the worm? Uh, it did not come in the bottle that I had. It must have been in another batch. Oh, too bad. Well, you did this to us often, uh, causes us to drink. Uh, there's probably no better way to put that. Um, no, you did this to us is where you, the audience vote on what we watch on the podcast. You can do this. On our website, mgrpodcast.com. Every five weeks, there's a poll up there. We share it on our Facebook and our Twitter. So follow those pages and you'll get the chance to follow along. Because bear in mind, we record ahead of time. So if you are listening to this right now, we've already voted on this. We've probably already voted on the next one. So if you want to stay in the loop, you need to follow that website or those pages. And you can vote on a movie that is already in the running, and we often will seed it with films that have come close to winning but lost in the past. And we'll also go ahead and open it up for you folks to add your own movies, at which point others can vote on those as well. At which point Encino Man gets voted for. At which point, I should, yeah, I should also preface this episode with, we did not seed Encino Man, (laughs) Uh, nor did we seed, what I really appreciated, quite honestly, was someone putting in Avatar, Blue People, what was it, like Blue People or Last Airbender, you pick. Like, at least they gave us an option. Yeah, but what's unfortunate about that, nope, I'm not even going to say it. I'm going to leave that one (laughs) mystery. Yeah, I mean. do it. I was happy for it for the sense that if we had one, we didn't have to re-talk about Avatar Blue People because we did that on Geek Cinema. So oh, Brad, that's what I was trying to avoid saying. Yes. Oh, yeah, because you'd probably <laughs> rather watch that. Okay, I don't want... Next five weeks, everybody. Well, you voted on Encino Man, everybody. That was the You Did This To Us pick. But next week, we start the beginning of a brand new round of five weeks of, of themes. Nicole, it is new to two. You are picking a film yes. that neither myself nor David had ever seen before. What are we watching yes. next week to start off the new round? Um, I am putting in um, the disc that you bring to the store when you want to find out which TV is the best TV and then go order it online. Um, we are going to be watching Tarsem Sings The Fall. Oh. 2006 movie starring Lee Pace and a very adorable uh, child actress named Katinka Untaru. And it is a fantastical story filmed in many, many countries. And it's absolutely one of the most ravishingly gorgeous movies you will ever lay eyes on. And it's, like I said, it's what you bring to the store to check the color range of the TVs in there. So, Yeah, you said that, and I thought we were going to be watching a Planet Earth type thing, but this is a totally different direction. (laughs) I'm excited. All right, so 2006, The Fall, not to be confused with what looks like a popular TV show right now. So make sure you get it right when you follow along, The Fall. Very good. Mm -hmm. Well, this week, though, 1992, we're going back to Encino Man, uh, Dave, an unpopular high school senior, finds a frozen caveman while digging his backyard pool. 
Morgan decides to thaw him out. Morgan is Dave's last name. I feel like we didn't specify that. Morgan decides to thaw him out over the protests of his best friend, Stoney, and use him as his ticket to popularity and potential fortune. Uh, Of course, Dave, played by Sean Astin, and Stoney, played by the ever-enduring Polly Shore. Uh, I don't know... (laughs) Had you guys seen this movie before? <laughs> because I'd seen this when I was a kid. Yeah, somewhere when I was a kid, like there's flashes of it in my memory, but I, I couldn't, for the life of you, tell for life of me, tell you what it was about before watching it right now. Nicole, no, I, uh, I missed it till now. Um, I had been happily living my life and see no man memory free. <laughs> and was perfectly happy to continue my life in such fashion. And now I have had this wedged into my brain and I'm not happy about it. Yeah. Well, this week was going to go one of two ways because Encino man barely beat out mother. I feel like we should also let that be known. <laughs> this could have been a very different sure, just, discussion. Just, just keep giving them ideas, Brett, please. Yep. We're yep. going to seed it with the one that almost won last time anyway, but okay. So Encino man, <laughs> I know Encino man, uh, So, yeah, I saw this growing up. I I remember being kind of scared of Brendan Fraser because when he first gets thawed out as the caveman, he's kind of scary and he's screaming and he's full of gook and mud. And and I remember that kind of wigging me out when I was like six years old. Um, Very interesting selection for the youth uh, on behalf of my parents there. But uh, let's start right from the top of the discussion. Why is Dave, Sean Astin, digging a swimming pool by hand in his backyard? That's where we find our character at the beginning of this movie. And why aren't his parents stopping him? They seem like very sensible parents. Yeah. You know, Richard Mazur and Marriott Hartley slumming it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, being perfectly intelligent seeming professionals are somehow not objecting to the pit their child is digging in the backyard that someone can fall into break a limb by hand it's insane (laughs) yes it is insane there's so much work that goes into now i will say it is impressive for a high school kid to have apparently measured out those depths and gotten the angles and (laughs) he did some very fine work on that hole uh, yes. Good, good for him. Um, <laughs> but like, there's so much. To, I want to see the permits from. Like, you can't just go dig a pool in your backyard. Like, and also, where was he going? Where was where's he going to get the concrete? Where was he going <laughs> to? Like, I just, I don't know. I'm already broken. I'm already out. There, there, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot uh, left to your imagination in terms of how he was going to complete said pool or in terms of how, why he wanted said pool. I mean, no, you he, see the block it, to yeah, be popular because, because yeah, it was, he was going to be the prom. His plan was to build a pool to become prom King to throw a party. <laughs> and that's my point is that you see the neighborhood, all the other houses have pools. Okay. I get it. He wants to be the other kid in the neighborhood that also has a pool so he can throw parties so he can be cool. That's fine. There are easier ways I think to maybe try to be cool than to build a pool by hand. Like work on your personality and not carry around creepy photos of the time you and your friend were naked as babies in the bathtub. Or at least don't (laughs) show them to them at like the, the popular kid hangout, which is an ice rink and not like the ice rink where Where no one is playing hockey. Right. It's the, it's the ice rink where just like they watch people play hockey. What? Right. Like when I remember seeing it and I thought they were going to be going up to like a roller derby type, not like roller derby, because that's also a sport, but like um, roller disco type stuff, right? Like where they're like a lot of people going in circles. No, it's just a bunch of bros playing hockey. But not like real hockey. It's like street hockey, but on the ice, you know, it's not very organized. It's not taking up the whole rink. It's it is not a hockey game. They are just like futzing around. And it's this is supposedly the hot hangout of Encino. And but and if if Sean Astin wanted to have kids come hang out in his backyard, why isn't he just building an ice rink? <laughs> like they don't seem to care about pools. Just build an ice rink. Right. They all have <laughs> pools according to the opening shot. Yeah, I, I have questions. I mean and also apparently they can just go to bars. All right, we'll 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 get into that too. Um so he digs 
his pool or tries to and comes upon a caveman. And that's where we're introduced to uh, Brendan Fraser in his first leading role, uh, 1992 for Brendan Fraser here. I mean, in terms of your first leading role, you don't have to learn a ton of lines. Not a bunch. Well, there's that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't his first movie. He was in a a small role in Dogfight uh, the year before. Um, and, but this movie was before school ties came out. So this was his first, his first on-screen appearance. And you know what? I don't think he does too badly with what he's got to work with. Yeah. I think he does. Okay. Yeah. Uh, His, his role is, Hey, repeat back anything anybody says to you, uh, and occasionally run around shirtless and yell. And he does a great job. And, you know, it's it's 90s Brendan Fraser, so he has this kind of just natural charm to him. Yeah. He does. He yeah. does. I feel like I am, when I was, David and I had a back and forth where I look at Brendan Fraser as like the washed up guy from Doom Patrol, at, whereas David looks at, at him as a treasure. And, and well, I think it's because we're looking at different treasure. eras of him. Well, yes, and also because, like, do you realize how rough Brendan Fraser has kind of yeah, had God, it in the last no decade? Like, it's it's real bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he and he did have a lot of those, like, pinnacle... Was The Mummy, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, I would guess, that trilogy? 90s, yeah. Yeah, okay, The Mummy so, was 99, yep. so... All right, so he he had uh, some some real clout at one point as a box office draw. Yeah, he's fine in the movie, but I actually think that... Of of any of the three leads, uh, I think Polly Shore is is the most likable. And, and Nicole, you put in our docket, and I think we all agreed. You know, how do you make Sean Astin hateable? Someone who's just inherently lovable, at least for me, and make Polly Shore just so incredibly likable. He's the only relatable character. It's yeah, a great it's question. The, it is the. I was not. You know, like I said, I haven't seen this before. I had not seen this before last night. I do not like Polly Shore. I've never liked the character Shocker. that he created of the, you know, slacker surfer dude, California, making up his own vocabulary. Um, but he's actually, you know, he's the guy, he's the voice of reason in this movie. He's like, I don't want to use this guy that we just unfroze. I just want to be his friend and treat him like a person. And like, he's got his own, you know, agency and he just wants to hang out and be kind to people and have a good time. And just like, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. I'm with you. Sean, there is nothing redeemable about Sean Astin's character. No. At no point. Not even at the end. No. I mean, there's a moment in this movie where he steps foot in high school because, of course, they 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 clean up the caveman, they dress him, and they take him to high school as one does. And they he says when they get to high school, like, we found him. We get to do with him whatever we want. And Brendan Fraser is just gleefully, you know, smiling in the background, not having any idea what's going on. And his character never gets much better from that point. He's really hateable. <laughs> It gets to the point where in the last like 20 minutes of the movie, uh, he has, so, so he's wanting to go to, to the prom with this, with the popular girl that he's been in love with forever. And since they knew each other from before she got cool, like she still will talk to him, but you can tell she doesn't, you know, she kind of tolerates it more than anything. Uh, and I can kind of see why as the movie goes on and he, at one point they get arrested uh, and he's in jail and he calls her, and says, I'm using my one phone call to ask you to the prom. So just say yes. To which she says no. And then it's like, I want to go <laughs> with with your friend Link. Oh, first of all, she's also terrible in this moment. She's like, I want to go with your friend Link. Can you ask him for me? And <laughs> Link, Link being the caveman. <laughs> yes, Link being the Brendan Fraser Link. character, who I don't understand why she wants to go with him. Uh, but his response to that is, I'm going... To go white fang Link and drive him out of town and just be like, all right, you're on your own. Good luck. Yeah, he tries to abandon him like a puppy at the side of the road. Yeah, it's awful. It's so out of it. But then Polly Shore turns up and he turns on Polly Shore. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if he hadn't turned up, what would he, what was he going to tell him that he like, he took him to a farm and he's going to live with a nice family and he'll be able to yeah, run around. And, yeah. That's right. <sighs> You're being a real Frodo, Sam. You're being a real Frodo. He's just, oh, he's, being so, <laughs> he's just, he's awful. He's an awful person. All his motives are selfish. And it's the girl at the end because, eh. <laughs> yeah, so right. This is as the Culpa Nardaka, you know, this is the trope of pining after the girl next door who has the bad boyfriend, because let's not forget that the bad boyfriend is our is our villain in the movie. And uh and of course like he's the other celebrity offspring. So who is he? <laughs> he is uh one of Dom DeLuise's children. Yeah, he's Michael DeLuise. Really? Oh, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah, so he um Oh, wow. He definitely had a certain type of movie. He was in Wayne's World and, and Sequest. Okay, I understand this guy's career now. Okay. Um, yeah, so he he's this very stereotypical, you know, asshole boyfriend, right? He does all the wrong things, but the cute girl in school st- is still infatuated with him because he's pretty. And eventually... But why? Not, though, really? <laughs> but, but eventually, uh, you know, he shows his true colors when he attacks Link the Caveman at the ice rink and uh and she wants to go out with link and then proms over and as david said she just kind of ends up with sean astin everybody every girl wants link because he's mysterious yeah new the weird i guess (laughs) new he's if you if you take away the hair he's good looking Right. Oh, you know? the hair. He's foreign. Oh, he has like that yeah. mysterious, like, yeah, it's, it's exactly. Bad. He's super open. You know, he's right. he's, he's always himself. That's why the popular girl likes him is because she he's he's just always willing to be himself, which uh, Dave is not. So no, because he just he wants to be popular. Because pop yeah. popularity is all you want in high school. So relatable. <laughs> oh yeah, that's all I wanted, man. Right, yeah. and now you know grades or eh. <laughs> right. But that isn't that also such a a relic of its time, like the the film about the high school student that wants nothing more than to be part of the popular crowd. Because as the person who has like most recently been in high school, um, you know, graduated what 2013, 2014, one of one of those years. Um, it's not like yeah, Nicole is is melting. Uh, it's infant. That doesn't really <laughs> exist anymore, at least in my capacity. Like the cool kids don't really exist anymore. Like everyone knows that the jocks are idiots, and that's like no longer the cool thing. And from what I understand from my you know fiance who's high school teacher, that that kind of tracks now. You know, seven years later, so. Well, this is let's very... not reverse the stereotypes here. There's some smart jocks. There's some of, kind of jocks. Of course, I know. There's... I'm just saying, like the stereotype that these movies make them out to be. Yeah. No, the movie, the movie that addresses okay. it best is 21 Jump Street. Because in 21 Jump Street, you have these two guys who like went to school in the 90s, and they play them off as like the kind of 90s high school tropes, or I guess early 2000s is what it's supposed to be. But then they go back to high school as adults, and like, wait, well, there's no like cliques. Like people are, you know, the people are just like being themselves and, you know, being really eco-conscious and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a really fun take on that trope of like, you know, you have Channing Tatum who's like, yeah, this is how we're going to be cool. And it's like, nah, man, that's not how it works anymore. That, that doesn't exist. Well, well, the cool cat of the movie is of course, Robin with a Y. Uh, Robin is the girl next door. The, the, the cute girl that, that Dave wants so badly to woo. Um, She's kind of awful, right? Like at no point is she, even when she realizes that she shouldn't be with, with the mean with the mean guy, she still just mm-hmm. does not even a one eighty. She kind of just does like a thirty degree turn to being mean to him while he's making his one phone call from a prison. Like <laughs> she's not great. Yeah, um, I don't know that that's so mean to him. He was pretty presumptive to think that she was just gonna say yes out of nowhere. Sure, so. that that's fair, but I mean, to, yes, your phone call from jail—it's a—it's <laughs> a nice gesture, but it's a nice gesture from a guy who's 
consistently shown himself to be a selfish jerk. And, right. and he, he wants her because she's hot now. Like he didn't seem super interested in her when she was like, I think they even like kind of say that is like, he's like interested in her because like now she's a babe. She became to, babe to, material. To, right. According yeah, to she's Aston. She's a, a nug. <laughs> oh yeah. That was a, that was a word they kept using over yeah. and over. So the, what, what is the line at the end when he's, when he's yelling at Polly Shore and he's like, all you're interested in your is, is your nugs, your, I can't remember the rest. It's like three things that all rhyme that at least two of which are not real. And I think that's kind of a good segue perhaps into the way Polly Shore talks in this movie. And, you know, we joke this about it at the and beginning. And uh, sure, in every movie. But like, this was his first like, well, like post like Disney like movie, right? Like he he had his his other movies after this, um, and it's like the hey b uh, d like it's that, and every word is like six syllables with a bunch of spaces in the middle. Um, everything's crusty. That is a thing, both good and bad. Apparently, uh, look when he when yeah. when uh, they first see Brendan Fraser, and he says he's so greasy. I genuinely <laughs> laughed. I genuinely thought that was a really funny moment. Yeah. I mean, he, if you're going to rate the lines in this movie, right? He has the better ones. He has the no wheeze in the juice and, and the assortment of What random... does that mean? It's <laughs> no wheeze in the juice. Link and I are cruising the mountain, bro. And we figure wheeze a little juice. No, we sing the juice. We sing the juice. No, 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 we sing the juice. No, we sing the juice. Chill, No, but, but, chill. No, no, no. It's okay. Just chill. Which he thinks is like a cultural touchstone nowadays. Um, I mean, as I, I discovered took it to in a recent interview. Literally, no sucking the slurpee out of the 7-eleven machine but yes <laughs> yeah he's also yeah. a unique weasel he says that many times too and Polly's that appara- apparently was like a so hard Polly shore is a guy who before the internet was as it is now became a meme because yeah. he you know had his kind of run of movies in the 90s you know he had this movie, he had Son-in-Law, In the Army Now, uh, Jury Duty, Biodome, showed up in a Goofy movie. And then if you look at his IMDb, it is mostly just like one-off little roles, uh, him appearing in some movies and in some TV shows. And it is sometimes just as himself. Uh, and it is all just because like Polly Shore talks that certain way. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. he's also relegated to the realm of Corey Feldman's. Maybe not necessarily in in terms of the way Corey acts nowadays, but certainly in terms of entirely average young actors from the '90s that just had no business being in movies after they were older. I mean, he fit in a very specific time, right? Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure he's you know like everybody who creates a career based off a character i'm sure he's regretful of that now you know mm-hmm. like bobcat goldthwaite has some trouble getting people to take him seriously oh yes that's i, I love anytime <laughs> he talks about that where whenever he does anything now any stand-up or anything people are like just do the voice and he's like no i don't <laughs> i'm trying to do anything else yeah, yeah. I, I I went and followed him on Twitter just to see what he was up to, and it seems like it's mostly you know stand up comedy nowadays. But I, I will say he has lines in this movie that frankly would be hard to remember for, even for a decent actor. Um, like he has perhaps my favorite nonsensical line, which alludes to like the only piece of backstory we get from him because he's definitely the the archetype of the the best friend that lives at his buddy's house because things aren't totally cool at his house, and you don't really know why. Um, he says to to Dave's dad at dinner, if you're so edged because I'm wheezing all your grindage, just chill because I had that whole Brady Bunch thing happening in my pad. I'm going to go grind over there. So don't tax my gig so hardcore, Cruster. Those aren't even yeah. words. Like three-fourths of that is not. 
I mean, they're objectively words. They just don't make mean anything when they're all strung together. There's no syntax to them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, but is wheezing your grindage? Like, are those even yeah, words? I, I, here's, I think grindage is like what you've earned from your hard labor. Is that? Sure. sure. Like, you, you go, so. you know, do the old grind and get paid and that's your grindage. And, and so that's what I was wondering is, is are these things he's saying 90s slang I don't know about or are they Polly Shore? No, and I think it's a ladder. They're Polly Shore. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a bit of that. Like there is like California is a place where that has its own lexicon of slang. Uh, some of it never really makes it out of California, like uh, in the, the mid 2000s or like late 2000s, like Hella was a, a big thing. That was a big California thing was saying Hella. Uh, I think that he is sort of, as we mentioned, like a character that is a parody of that, that surfer California dude. So you just take every little thing and you, you ramp it up to 11. And right. anything that can be a word, you find a, you, <laughs> you open a dictionary and point to a different word and be like, all right, this is what that word now is. Yeah, yeah. that that's kind of the Polly Shore thing. I I did a little bit of reading about the official novelization of <laughs> of Encino Man, which is because is very that much was a thing, thing that you needed. <laughs> yeah, and and I I did discover that there are right there are several uh, things that happen in the book that do not happen in the movie. And, and I wrote a couple of them down so we can see if it would perhaps make this movie better or even worse or entirely the same. Um, you get a little more info, info about his broken home that his dad left and that his mom is seemingly depressed or uh, in some sort of really bad state. And when he comes home, she doesn't care about him, doesn't pay attention to him. He doesn't get fed dinner. Um, there's a college girlfriend he has in the book that works at the skating rink. So when they go to the skating rink, he's kind of flirting with her and she's trying to like balance the fact that she's working at the skating rink and she's studying for college and apparently dating Stoney. Um, and then a couple other ones, which are just bizarre to me. Uh, Tina, the sassy younger sister, has a plot line in the book where she's really into Link, which is weird. And then... Uh, How old both, is she supposed to be? Like eight or nine. Um and then both oh, convenience no, store employees. Uh, I don't know. Uh, kids' ages are all like an amalgamous. Like you could be f- six or fifteen, and I just don't know. <sighs> I, <laughs> this is a whole separate thing. Know. I don't understand children's <laughs> ages. I can't gauge it. Oh, Brett, you're getting to that age. They all look Where, the same. Uh, look at anybody younger, and you're like, wait, what? How old are you? You're a baby, right? Right. And then you have one, and you'll be able to gauge it to like the week. Yeah. Development. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> These nephews have helped me with that very well. Uh, yeah, I, I would bet so. Uh, and then finally, the convenience store employees, which are the the two um, men working at like the Seven Eleven type place where he's he's juicing the squeeze or wheezing the juice or whatever it is. Um, they, the science teacher, and the science teacher, of course, played by perennial early '90s comedy actor Rick uh, DeCommon, and also the Latin couple from the bar that they go to, they all just show up to party with the kids at the end at their big party, which is weird. And I, and I think as I'm reading these aloud, I'm realizing that yes, all of these, all of the above, perhaps with the exception of like more backstory on Stony, make this movie worse. (laughs) Now, like I would, I would invite the people from the bar. Those people were cool. They were fun. Yeah. But (laughs) I don't think they would come. <laughs> no, show up. <laughs> or they would, and like it would, the the party would change considerably. Uh, if this makes anybody feel better, Polly Shore won a Razzie Award for this movie. Aww, he's the best he was, part. He was. He won Worst New Star. Uh, see, now I gotta look up who he was up against in that in that case. <laughs> yeah, you got to, because I mean, like I said. I don't, I don't like him, but it, he's it in this movie. It's a likable character. Every time I think he's going to say something 
completely dumb. He says something completely sensible and sensitive and like appropriate to the situation. So, so here's he says the dumb stuff out of nowhere, but you know where's yeah where he's being humane. Okay, so here is who he was up against: Uh, George George Coraface in Christopher Columbus, the discovery as Christopher Columbus. Don't know. Uh, Kevin Costner's crew cut in The Bodyguard. Whitney, <laughs> Whitney Houston in The Bodyguard. And mm-hmm. uh, this one I, I, is going to take some cleverness to figure out. Sharon Stone's tribute to Theodore Cleaver in Basic Instinct. Oh, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah I figured you would. <laughs> no, I, yeah. So we've seen three of these nominees now from the 1993 Razzie Awards. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'd had, I'd have given it to Whitney. <laughs> oh, the crew cut. The crew cut. Yeah. No, I think it's I think it's got to be Whitney. I think no, that, it's Whitney, not the crew yeah. cut. No. Yeah. <laughs> shout shout out to like I think episode fifty or somewhere around there. We watched the bodyguard. It was another. You did this to us. There's yeah. a trend here. Uh, and there's no plot. <laughs> I think that's another thing we haven't really talked about is that we're talking about all these separate instances in this movie because there's really no through line that ties any of them together. There's no stakes. Nothing is at, is at any sort of consequence. Nothing really bad happens to anybody. I guess high schoolers kind of mm-hmm. quibble over who's popular, but that's about it. Yeah, I think the the end goal of the you know the ambition of the lead character of the movie is to be popular at prom, to be prom king and have a cool party. Yeah. And that's, that's the, the big question of the film is, will it happen? Yeah. The, the stakes that are established in the last 20 minutes are the popular (laughs) guy uh, decides like, well, this link guy says, where did he even come from? So he like goes and digs up his records and realizes like they're faked. And so he breaks into Sean Astin's room and finds <laughs> yeah. proof proof that he's a caveman. And then yeah. he goes, like, I actually... Okay, This was so, my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, so he goes to prom then where Link, the, the caveman, has just been n- named prom king and gets up on stage and is like, this guy is a caveman. To which everyone in the <laughs> audience is just like, cool! <laughs> Yeah, it is simultaneously the best outcome and the stupidest outcome. It's kind of a great scene. I will give the movie that. that. It's kind of a great scene. That was my favorite moment of the movie because it subverts all the tropes of, I found out this person's secretly a nerd. And then, you know, they take their crown away and they, you know, send them away in shame kind of thing. Yeah. And. And, and everybody's just, and it backfires on him spectacularly, and it's great. And, that's but again, my, that's the one great him, moment. Him being a caveman is of zero consequence to this movie. <laughs> like they're not like being dogged yeah. by the government. Like people aren't like that's trying true. to find him or hunt him down. And when it does come out, there's a caveman. No one cares, and that's <laughs> yeah. great and pointless at the same time. It seems to me like there would have been a a relatively easy goal at the beginning of this movie, which is for them to try to help him get his, his cave girlfriend out of the ice because she, yeah, cause, cause <laughs> she, she gets frozen with him during the ice age and, um, and comes back as what is canonically referred to as cave babe in the book. Uh, but <laughs> in ca- case you were wondering, but, I thought, like, I was thinking the entire movie, like, they got to bring her back, right? Like, they froze, like, not 10 feet from each other. They have to bring her back. And they do yeah, in the final moments of the movie. Not 10 feet from each other, like, holding their hands at each other for love right. the many, many scene. long seconds. The opening <laughs> scene when it's, like, coming down. And he's not, like, he's not being held back. He's not, nope. uh, like, far away from her. He's, like, right there and reaching out to her and can't get to her for no reason. Because the air. <laughs> yeah i also do love when he runs out of the cave and he's wearing an entirely different outfit and then he runs back in and it's an entirely different outfit it was a very and glaring shaking and a very oh i hope somebody got fired for that yeah very glaring <laughs> uh issue very early in the movie man. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean that that could have been kind of interesting. Is that they're trying to figure out how to get her out or where she is? Like there, there's to be some sort of consequence to it. Or, or to your point, David, it has to be like the ET type thing where the government's trying to get your your caveman, and and there's none of that. It because no. because there's no plot. This movie is 88 minutes long, and I checked the time several times in the movie. <laughs> I'm like, how much more of this I got? It feels so much longer. It really does. It does have just enough time, though, for all of the missteps of the early 90s, um, such as Hispanic stereotypes and the other F word, um, the F slur. Uh, Yeah, I was watching this and I think I messaged you guys. I was like, oh, no, please not the threatening Hispanic men in the lowrider. We do not need this in this movie. It serves no value. (laughs) And they go all in on it along with the fact, like literally seven minutes to the end of the movie and they drop the F slur. Totally out of nowhere, not needed. And I realize it's yeah, the 90s, no. but come on. Yeah. It could have said anything else. Yeah, it's the 90s and it comes out of the mouth of the bad guy. Those are the only two semi-justification you can make for and the this movie. Is, but I, but I, I will say, for a, a teen comedy of the day, like... I'm not surprised. I'm not like happy about it. I want to make that very clear. I don't think it's great that language was used, but it's like, I'm almost a little bit surprised that it was never said at any other point that that character never called Sean Astin word again. But this is also just like another instance of who is this movie for teens? Cause it's, it's PG. Um, and it's, but it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's very carefully clean. There's really not, other than that one thing, there's really no objectionable language in it. No sex? No, although there's a lot of references to boobs. um, True. Or Gonzaga's. (laughs) Not not Gonzaga's, mind you. I believe it's Gonzaga, like after the other town in California or (laughs) something. Cones. Uh, Polly Shore likes that one. Cones. Since when? When since 1950s bra manufacturing have breasts ever looked like cones? Never. There's a scene in this movie where Brennan Fraser hops off a balcony, not like 15 feet, to go like aggressively grab the back of Rose McGowan's head, sniff her, and then she's like, "Yes, this is what I want," and it's so wrong. (laughs) (laughs) On <laughs> so many levels. Her first yeah. movie role, by the way. Yeah, I did not realize that was Rose McGowan. Um, oh, no, I did. I'm just like, I know that nose. Where? That's <laughs> Fair. Uh, this movie, though, it did test very well with teen audiences. And we should note, it was a box office success. It cost $7 million yeah. to make and made $40 million. Yeah, no, this is one of those movies where the critics hated it. The fans really enjoyed it. It's become this weird. I don't I don't think it's entered cult classic by any stretch stretch of the imagination, but it it has enough 20th anniversary, you know, retrospectives that came out in 2012 where people are fond enough to go back and revisit it and re-interview people and the whole nine yards. And it's let's also not forget that it's. Like kind of a Disney movie. Like it's on Disney Plus, which by the way is infuriating if you pay for that like I do and paid for this movie not realizing well, you could have got it on Disney Plus. It was Wait. Hollywood Pictures, which was a, a division of Disney that they used to make more to make right. movies that were geared for older audiences. Right. Yeah. And and the sixth sense. This is a, a oh, movie wow. that people who like are my brother's age, who's like six years older than me will probably has like some fond memories of, uh, but probably would not watch now. But if he was in a hotel room and this movie came on TV would definitely watch. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like the FX brand. No, FX is a little raunchier. Um, It's like spike TV when that was still a thing. This is what would air at three in the morning. Um, This is this, it's very like Wayne's World. It kind, of, it kind of fits into similar, like because Wayne's World is another movie that isn't that doesn't have a, like a lot of language, isn't really sexual. I'm not saying I'm saying Wayne's World is a, is a million leagues better than this movie. Much, I love yeah, I was Wayne. gonna say I love, it's a I'm much saying, smarter like, movie. <laughs> it's, it's sort of of that same era of like here's a teen comedy that like it's 
but it's unlike the teen comedies of the eighties. It's not as like weird and rapey. Yeah. Yeah. A couple other discussion yeah. topics we had. Uh, you know, these fish out of water stories are typically used to point out flaws and oddities in the current culture. Is there anything of significance being pointed out here? Popularity's bad. You're you shouldn't focus so well, much on image. As an ambition. <laughs> right. As an right. ambition, like, you know, focus more on yourself and 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 Polly. And like there's you nothing can't. there. You can't build a pool on your own if you're a high school student. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really, you know, that's the biggest lesson I took away. And I mean, when it, is it, th- is it that it rains at the end or the sprinklers come on or what is it where the pool gets filled up? And all of a sudden I'm thinking about poltergeist and wondering when the skeletons are going to float up. <laughs> it is very <laughs> like, poltergeist. Wouldn't that have been awesome? If like all the people post prom who've come over to his house and are swimming in the mud hole are suddenly surrounded by these dead bodies coming up out of the ground. <laughs> uh, yeah, if that's where the movie had gone, I would have been way more into it. Like if the movie yeah, ended with everybody at that party being dragged underwater by skeletons and like spirits were coming out <laughs> and like killing it. Like, yes, great. 10 out of 10. I would watch this again tomorrow. <laughs> No, and instead there's instead, and also how did how did Cave Babe, if that's what we're gonna call her, how did she get defrosted? They didn't dig her up or put her in front of a bunch of, you know, room heaters. You put her in warm water. I mean, that's yeah. how you thaw out like a chicken, you know, that's frozen. <laughs> oh, I guess they do kind of fill his mud hole with with so, I guess what would presumably be warm water somehow. I don't okay. know. Sure. I regret well, it's California. It's not going to be that cold. You know. I regret to make this joke, but now I have to. If you're going to thaw out a, a couple of breasts, you just put it in some warm water. All right, there we go. Hey, I'm off the show. Hey, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. I know. I, I'm not happy with myself. <laughs> so something else I also wanted to mention, uh, the music of this movie. There's a lot of music in this movie that we haven't talked about, and Ooh. there is an aggressive yeah. amount of rap rock. And... And now, as our as our resident, you know, music musicologist of sorts, there there's nothing good about rap rock. And if and if you think there is, then at I am Brett Stewart on Twitter, but you're wrong. And we can talk about why you're wrong, and we can get you help. But um, but you're wrong. Rap rock is terrible. And there's so much of it in this movie. There is a scene at the end of this movie at prom where they literally just dance with a rap rock band that is playing their high school prom like Limp Biscuit style with like the bald singer like jamming around and pumping his fists in the air while the metal guitarist in the background just riff, you know, into oblivion. And it goes for like 10 minutes. It just doesn't end while they do a coordinated dance. Actually, the thing that I was really curious about was when was the last time any of you heard Wooly Bully? Because right. that that was a weird, like, yeah, there's a couple songs in here and I don't have them off, off the top of my head, but like Wild Thing, I was like, yeah, okay, I can see them using that song or whatever. But Wooly Bully, I was like, what? Why did they pay for the rights to this one? And then yeah. there's this duo. There's like this hip hop <laughs> duo that's into like, Grandmaster Flash era, like or slash like like no later than that, like Public Enemy Run DMC style, like late eighties hip hop that just set up like a beatboxing station by their lockers so they could jam all day. And Brendan Fraser will come jam with them as a caveman. Like there's a whole weird music subplot to this movie that happens throughout. I am enamored with and horrified by. Oh, we it just pads out the runtime, you know. <laughs> Yeah, because I think I think they had to get it to eighty eight minutes for like insurance purposes. I was about to say, is this movie is this movie even <laughs> even technically a movie if you take out all the dancing and music scenes? Uh, no, it's not even it's not even technically a movie based on what is in the eighty eight minute runtime. Uh, we we mentioned earlier that there was a some racist depiction of Mexicans, and I also want to point out the racist depiction of the Asian, the one Asian kid as like the president of the computer club. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the and only that's time, former, another former Goonie, right? Isn't that about to say the only time um, that we'll ever get two, key. the only time we'll ever get two Goonies on stage together, and on stage and in film together, following the Goonies. Oh yeah. So huh. I was just like, yeah, hey, I know that guy. I recognize that dude. At least he wasn't doing an accent. That's true. Yeah. 
At least he was doing, you know, just plain American accent. They threw in the uh, the club full of, you know, Latinx people called El Club, helpfully. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, they they threw in the two presumably South Asian slash Middle Eastern convenience store owners. Which uh, one of those guys, Eric... Eric Avari, who is a, a big that guy that you know from a bunch yeah. of, uh, he was in The Mummy, he was in Stargate, uh, I think he was in a couple Adam Sandler movies, Des- deserved better. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, he did. Uh, we'll close with something that I know just immediately technical off at the beginning of the movie. The rate oh, gag. God. Really? Yeah, this movie opens with, with the step on the rate gag. Only As if it didn't ever, have any clear comedy compass from the get-go. Yeah. <laughs> Only ever successfully done in The Simpsons. No one else should ever try it. No. And I mean, it set the tone for Brendan Fraser's early career. You know, he did a lot of running into things uh, in his, you know, George of the Jungle and Deadly Do-Right and various other, you know, bits where he plays these naive uh, persons who get into trouble and run into stuff and did a lot of that. And that's, that's part of why his career like tanked in the two thousands is that his, his back got super jacked up. Wrecked. And yeah. And he had to have a laminectomy, which failed laminectomy. If you don't know is like, all right, you know how your spine has, Goes this way. The vertebrae in your spine has like the circular part that discs go in between. And then it's got like the sticky outy bits on the back that make the like the center line of your back, you know, and mm-hmm. the laminectomy takes out those sticky outy bits and from various parts of your bo- spine. And he that it, it failed to help his like disc issues and they had to fuse some of his vertebrae and. You know, so his body started to go, and then he got sexually harassed by the head of the Hollywood Foreign mm-hmm. Press Association and just spiraled into a depression. And I well, just, every time I see Brendan Fraser, I'm just like, come here and let me it, hug you. He pays, he pays almost $1 million a year in, uh, in like child support payments and alimony. Yeah, which is he, nuts because he's not making that anymore. No, no. He, yeah, which is why, like, when you see, like, a weird thing now, and you're like, why is Brendan Fraser in this? It's like, because the guy needs money. Yeah. And he is he is good in Doom Patrol. I, I fell off of Doom Patrol, uh, but he is good in it. And I was thinking back of his... Of his... Whatever he's in. I, 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 am, I will stand by Brendan Fraser. <laughs> good actor. Every day. Uh, Journey to the Side of the Earth? He's... Look, yeah. I haven't seen it, but he's probably he's... fine in it. It's not it's okay. quality but he does fine in it. Where do we land on Crash? I'll ask that because you either love or hate Crash. That's one of those movies. I've never seen Crash. I've never seen Crash and Monsters. That's the one you need to go watch is Gods and Monsters with Ian McKellen. And it's it's wonderful. And David, did you say you've never seen Crash? Oh, no, Brett, you can't do this. Uh, I I don't even like the movie that much, but purely based off the fact that it's like one of the most talked about nope. movies. No. I feel like Brett, we need no. to watch Crash nope. on New the Two next time. Nope. Get my squirt gun. Nope. Brett, don't you dare. Get off the don't counter. Don't you want to nope. watch the same story nope. 14 different times to tell you about how nope. race works in 2004, which feels really dated nope. even for 2004? Okay. Um, <laughs> it's not great. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you want to host the show by yourself, Brett? You go right ahead. <laughs> nope. All righty. I, I think we've done this movie justice. We've talked for more than half of its own runtime. Does anyone, th- anyone okay, want to close wait, wait, anything wait. about Encino Man? Yes. I want to close Encino Man by talking about a completely different movie that I watched this afternoon that is <laughs> almost exactly the same plot. I watched Iceman from 1984, which is about a Neanderthal man who gets frozen and is found by this crew of scientists and thawed out and is miraculously alive. And he, you know, the, one of the scientists tries to make friends with him and tries to figure out, you know, what to do with him, except that it's 
it's a good movie. <laughs> it's a really excellent movie with a little bit of a sci-fi touch to it. Uh, a completely unrecognizable John Lone plays the Neanderthal man. Uh, Timothy Hutton is in it, and it's David Strathairn is in it. That bald guy from Top Gun is in it. It's a Danny Glover is in it. It's mm-hmm. an amazing cast, and Damn. it is really well done. And it really tackles like all the ethical issues involved with thawing out someone from forty thousand years ago, and what's the right way to treat them now that they're not frozen anymore, and what to do with them, and. You know, um, and it's excellent. And I saw it on what I'm sure was a totally legit licensed copy on YouTube <laughs> um, with extremely bad cropping and pan and scan be- to try to get around copyright laws, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but it is, I believe it's rentable uh, in various venues. So I would highly recommend uh, if you ever think about watching Encino Man to uh, go rent Iceman instead. Or, or John if, Lone, if, Hutton. if that seems too long, my recommendation, piggybacking off, piggybacking off of that, is go watch the Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer sketches from <laughs> SNL. Sorry. <laughs> excellent. Which are... Which are great. I and don't much- understand your modern devices. <laughs> oh, so good. Yeah, well, Nicole, you had me at Timothy Hutton. I'll have to check that out. Alrighty, Encino Man, we talked about it. You did this to us. One last reminder, you can, of course, follow us on MGRPodcast.com to devote on movies like this and, and to, to do this to us. So you have that option. But next week, we are going to be watching the 2006 movie, The Fall. This is a Nicole pick for oh. Nude 2. So neither myself nor David have seen it. Be sure to follow along with us if you would like to. But let's run around the table and see where we can find everybody online. David, you're a busy man these days. What do you got going on? Oh, yeah, you can find out what I'm up to on Twitter. Follow me at Davluz. That is D-A-V-L-U-Z. You'll find it all there. Very good. And Nicole? I take care of our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Podcast. You can interact with us there. Very good. And you can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. That will do it for myself, David, and Nicole. We will see you next week for New to Two for the Fall. <laughs> <laughs>